You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. This is one of my favorite. I have two of my favorite doctors of all time, Dr. Brett Levin and Dr. Jennifer Durst on this podcast. And the topic is how do we scale with the right culture? Now, let me tell you why this is so important. Because they're great people, they have great lives, and they've built something special. You might be a dentist thinking, how do I grow a practice and keep the culture healthy with just one practice? Well, they now have 28 practices and 350 team members. Please understand, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just asking, how did they do that? And in this episode, they share how. Please listen to this. I know you guys will enjoy it, and we'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. You know the jam, I find the coolest people on the planet. Some of them are dear friends of mine and they're super sharp and we ask them great questions and get valuable insight from people who are doing some really cool stuff to help you create a better practice and a better life. And today's an extra special episode because I have two dear friends of mine who once you hear this, you're going to see they're as cool as I say they are. And um, it's pretty amazing what they've done and who they are and where they're headed. And we're just going to roll with it. So I've got the two principals, uh, Brett Levin and Jen Durst from Aspire Dental. Now, I want you guys to know, like I coached them a long time ago. Yeah, we helped them a little bit. And then they took it to a whole nother level. And I'm I'm going to be learning with you guys as you're listening today. Um, so this is going to be fun. Thank you guys for being on. I appreciate you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Brett. we appreciate you. It was impossible. Well, not impossible. You guys aren't super stressed up. But to get you guys on this particular podcast uh, and schedule, it was quite the deal. And I just made you do it. So it's pretty cool. Um, but I want to start here. You know, we have a lot of young listeners. I want you guys to tell a little bit of your story um, before we get into what you're up to so that people know who they're listening to. So who wants to go first? Well, you can go first because, you know, I think you go first. Okay. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I don't know how far back you want the story to, to go. Not to be reported. Uh, oh, good. Really? Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, I have been practicing now for 22 years. And um, I was fortunate enough to join my father in practice in, in 2001. Uh, he had that typical three-chair practice, brown shag carpet, yellow vinyl chairs. And, um, uh, you know. I saw it. It was, it was nasty. It was nasty. And she still joined. In yeah. um, uh, right after I started practicing, my dad started to kind of cut back. And so over the span of about eight to 10 years, uh, he, he was working less and less and less. And um, I had been going up to Seattle to the Coy Center. Uh, John Coyce is, is a big influence in, in our lives, as he is for a lot of the other um, you know, doctors. Uh, and I met Jen through the, through the Coy Center. Not through going to the courses together, but through kind of an intermediary who was running some of the courses. And Jen was in Arizona thinking of moving up to Colorado. And she just said, hey, I'm moving up. Um, would love to connect with you. At that point, I was like, I really need uh, an associate. And um, that was kind of how things started. He's really smooth. I sent him my resume and he said, don't show that to anyone else. <laughs> that is how smooth. Is that true? <laughs> As it was in an email, I wish I still had it. Yeah. Now let me get the story <laughs> right. You, job, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Were you working with Ralph in Arizona? I can't remember. Ralph Wilson. Ralph was, I referred all my implants to Ralph Wilson. Okay. I didn't know if you worked with them or were, okay. So, so and then so, we go way back. Yes. Okay. And so I was working in a, I worked for a DSO for maybe six months and I hated it. And I said, I'm never DSOs are terrible. I never want anything to do with that. You have to be careful what you put out to the universe because it doesn't hear the negatives or the nevers. Um, so I left that, went to a fee-for-service private practice in the heart of Scottsdale. And my boss at the time there just shoved me off the cliff and was like, you're doing cosmetic dentistry, girl, full mouth rehab, let's go. And so they, I had two cases lined up. His assistant was in the room, basically guiding me through the process. And then took off, but that's when I knew I needed the Koi Center. And then going there, got connected to Brett because I was like, Arizona's hot. It's really coming from Wisconsin. It was a little overshoot. Yeah. When yeah. Um, I think the first month Jen came up and started working, she had a patient fly up from Arizona to have her do a smile design. Like, who does that? <laughs> yeah. He was he was confused. He was and then like, she went to the Japan schedule? for two weeks to go skiing or something. So yeah. that was hey, if you haven't figured this out now, she's kind of a big deal. She you know? is very. <laughs> you know, um, when when Jen and I met, though, I was yeah. I was the process of expanding the office. We had five chairs at the time. We had we upgrading had, the we upgrading more than the carpet, yeah. and had had uh, kind of built out eight rooms. Six were plumbed, and Jen joined and. Really, in the, in the span of five years, we grew from six treatment rooms to 12. We were basically a fee-for-service practice doing, you know, high-end cosmetic dentistry. Um, but, but the mantra was treat people right, do the right thing, and the rest of it tends to fall into place. And um, as you know, we, we are like yin and yang. In fact, there's that one... Um, Colby test, I think. Oh, you had us do that. Had us do that. Yeah. We were the exact opposite puzzle pieces. If you remember, you're like, oh, I've never seen that before <laughs> with anyone. And that's. Right, I would like, be like 99% this, and I'd be like, 1%. <laughs> 
100% that. So awesome. I love it. Now I have so, so what year was this, Jen? What year was it when you arrived? Uh, January of 2010. Okay. All right. And what year did I meet you guys? I can't even remember. Boy. Um, yeah, you're that old now, Kirk. So I am. Uh, um, actually, I don't remember either. Yeah. It's probably 2014, 2015, somewhere in there. Anyway, I got to tell the story because I tell this story all the time and it's part of the story going forward. I remember you guys had like, tw- I don't remember how many teams are. And then we started working together and started doing the coaching thing. And I'm like, I want you to block two hours or 10 minutes. And you're like, I'm a coachman. You know, and I'm like, I, I know you are. And I'm so proud of you. High five. And, um, which is awesome. And then you're like, do you know what my, do you, I mean, two hours, what am I going to do for two hours? And 12 months later, your production went up 35% by taking away two hours of clinical time. Is that true or not true? And why? Well, that is true. Um, I think it's true for a lot of reasons. I think we, we, we sought you out. We loved working with you, hearing you, kind of the values that you, you, you know, spoke for And we knew we were going to grow. We could tell we were primed and working with you kind of helped us kind of create better systems to help control that growth. And, and so I think the two hour dynamic for me was putting a face to how we can get everybody on our team involved in making that growth occur. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause we were, we were a pretty fierce team, obviously. Um, I think that sometimes you go to a, a coaching opportunity and, you know, like that one inner circle, I won't repeat that inner circle day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I could get in trouble, but like that guy who was there, nice guy, but he just couldn't, he just didn't have any leadership in his bones whatsoever. And so we were really, we needed a, a, a group like yours that would help like just cons- like not consolidate but like kind of wrangle us into a it nurtured us yeah it nurtured us because we, like it, most other opportunities wouldn't have been a great fit because we would have been teaching the course and that wasn't what we wanted we wanted to be who's gonna be like okay here's your strengths let's capitalize on these strengths and push you forward yeah. in those right Right. And I certainly don't want to make this about the coaching process, but I, uh, yeah. I was out there for the Rocky mountain dental convention and we had sushi. We went to that one restaurant and you were, yeah. it was awesome because you still to this day do the two hour meetings, right? Why? Well, I think they're still important, right? I mean, there's especially a off an office of, of our size, yeah. 25 people, like, and even you have four doctors plus a specialist all in that space, and you're not always overlapped. You need a certain time frame to get all on the same page. Right. Right. Now, I want to fill the listeners in on the rest of the story. You guys didn't stop there. You actually presented the plan to me, and I'm like, what are you thinking? And I did the whole Brett Love. I'm like, what are you thinking? And you decided to embark on the journey. Can you take us all on this journey? You start out on the on, journey, on the, or, the aspire journey. The aspire journey. Oh right. Uh, okay. um, well, essentially, the aspire journey started. I was taking a course through McKinsey, 
and they're a big consulting company that I hadn't heard of. So I just signed up for it. This is something that is like typical so for us. Oh, I'm in this McKinsey consulting group. Is that a good thing? Yeah. <laughs> That's a big deal. Brett's drooling because he's yeah. like, what? But um, he took it the next I year. I didn't think it was good. Year. It was really great. Uh, going through that, I, it really, I mean, you're in it. Uh, I was one doctor and the rest of these people were CEOs who had built really cool concepts and companies. And every day I would drive to work um, through Cherry Creek and you would see, which is like a cute area in Denver. And you would see companies that, you know, like the founder started off small and created something big. Now I don't come from a very um, privileged background, if you would, like, it was pretty humble. My dad was a cop. My mom like worked a bunch of random odd jobs. So going to a place that had hospitality, like a Ritz Carlton would never have happened as I was a kid. It was really special. If we went to the holodome in Stevens point, remember that place? <laughs> I had my prom there. I know exactly. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. If we drove an hour up to Stevens point, for the night to go to the holodome and play like indoor miniature golf and swim in the pool. Like that was really spectacular. So being out in, you know, this other whole different world that you're exposed to in, in a different income level, um, you know, we were already incorporating a lot of things that we had learned. We'd, we'd flown our team to the Ritz. We'd done all these fun things to educate them on hospitality. But I kept thinking, why can't we, make this be more, make this be more than one location so that, you know, when Dr. Gray in um, San Diego and I are sharing a patient, like we've got to send each other everything we need to do. Like I, we, we did this SRP. Now you're, she's on three months at you at your practice. Like we had that we were sharing patients that way. When Dr. Hall, who is in our downtown location and he was, you know, he joined us right away. Um, when we started this concept, you know, we would share teammates because he was by himself. We took call for him. We would take care of his, his practice when he was gone. Um, you know, if he was down an assistant, we had somebody, we'd send somebody over there like, Hey, we got you, but why can't we actually put some, some structure around this and create a space where we all get to be a part together and, you know, still have some independence, but yet also be super aligned. And there wasn't anything like that that existed that I could see in dentistry. The PDF, I'm sorry, the practice model that I had seen that was a D, DSO. I try not to name names, kind of accidentally did. <laughs> I thought it, you know, like I left there and I felt like it stood for pretty damn shitty. You know, I just was like, this isn't for me. I don't want to be a dentist. So I want to, I want to make something where I, where dentists can come and be a part of a place that I want to work. And, and we had this culture. It was just too special not to share. My, my way of kind of answering Some, that. Yeah, fix it. Um, <laughs> I get excited. The, I love it. Um, um, you know, through working with you, through what we were doing, um, we were, really busy right and we had a lot of people asking us how did you do this how did you create an amazing culture how are you fee for service how are you getting all these referrals how are people traveling like uh, like how, how did you organize it how do you do this meeting how, and um 
you know, we kind of saw five years ago, five plus years ago, that the dental industry was on the precipice of change, right? We wanted to try to control our destiny in that change, right? Um, and, and really create a, a private practice DSO model, okay? Um, and I used to, you know, and that means something different for every person, but we didn't want to do it where somebody comes in and just buys your practice and now you're part of a bigger conglomerate, but you don't have to do any type of change. Like that's not really pushing yourself to, to, to grow or becoming collaborative. And that we also saw that a lot of younger dentists really crave mentorship and growth and, but didn't have the time or the means or, or somebody to nurture and support them. And so I mean, Jen really had that vision kind of and was spurred on to help create it. And that's, that was the genesis of how Aspire started. Yeah. Now, just to get everybody up to date, because I know the listeners are like, what did you build? To date, you have how many practices? We have 28. 28 practices. How many team members? 300 and something. Something, 350, two? 350 team members. Okay. Take we just us had through. our all team conference like a couple of weeks ago, and we had over 400 yeah, guests yeah. because we include our vendor partners. Yeah. And um, so, you should yeah. take you through. Well, take us on this journey. You figured out a few things, oh. and it hasn't been easy. So, take us through quite a lot. <laughs> okay. So, what take us through like the first stage, the second stage? Like, what did you learn? How did you get this going? And then ultimately, once we get through the journey, I want to know how Aspire is different. You know, I love how you guys do your CE, but let's let's go to the early parts of you building this. What what happened? Um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, we we have been really fortunate, and I count you in that category, Kirk, to to meet a lot of wonderful people, like within dentistry, but also just who share our entrepreneurial mindset, if you will. And um, through the McKinsey course, we met, we met some, uh, some entrepreneurs who we kind of picked their brains, just like any other mastermind group would do. Um, one of them who had done something in eye care, and we said, how did you, how did you do it? We went to dinner with him. How'd you grow and keep your culture? Because if we grow, having an amazing culture is the most important thing most to important. us. Like it is not about we've we've always been as brett said earlier you do the right thing and the rest will come we've been that's been our core is our culture we know that if you have a good core and you do the right thing and you have great relationships you'll you'll be okay like you'll you'll make a good living whatever that is but that was where we were seeking mentorship initially and then we started aspire with like really trying to create core essentials cultural essentials and in fact i'll hold this up for this is our like version 3.0 of it but it's our <laughs> it's our playbook right? i love it tell me what's in it you'll have to join aspire to see no, i'm just yes, kidding um it. no i mean it's it's you know i don't have to go through everything but it is our it's our credo it's our mission it's our vision it's our values um and we weave this in to our daily huddle every day we have a daily huddle sheet that, you know, and, and every day, not only do we talk about what, you know, procedures we're going to do and patients we're going to see, 
but some dynamic of our cultural playbook gets put in it so that we can all encourage and be supportive of, of one another. So that was the foundational start of Aspire. And I think cultural is a, is a you know, it's a big buzzword, but we oh, have it's like a new one. Let's make it a new, new word. Um, but that's something that I think people talk about and don't really put words and conviction to. And when we wouldn't talk to other doctors, similar like similarly minded doctors about what we're doing and then show, you know, we're talking about this, but we actually have something like a, you know, a beacon to kind of hold. It was kind of easy for the right doctors to want to come and, and start working with us. Yeah. Cause we're not right for everybody and not everybody's right for us. Like you, we want you to have, see value in this. And the, you know, the fact that when we, we were early on starting this and we were really lucky that the previous um, global VP of HR for Ritz Carlton that went with them from 15 to 80 locations lives in Denver. Um, and he joined us in this journey and helped us, you know, put what we had already built in our culture into words in a format. Cause if you don't have that structure, if you don't, if your culture doesn't have some type of structure, then you don't have a culture. You have to have a structure to the culture, all these structures. Yeah. You are speaking my jam. I love this. And I always say this, like your culture and core values are the most important thing you'll ever create because the more you lean into it, the less crazy stuff you deal with. Have you found that to be true? There's a lot of crazy stuff. Out yeah, there. there is a lot. Though. There is crazy <laughs> stuff out there. Now, I have so many other thoughts. I mean, because I'm so proud of you guys. What were some of the things you did that didn't work? And what were some of the things that you did? You're like, oh, that worked. Well, you know, I think that what our idea was like our office, right? We thought that our office could be the blueprint for every office and you carbon copy it. And I think that what, what I've learned is that every doctor, every office, every location has unique um, qualities to it that might be different from ours. So what I think we've learned is instead of trying to just say, do everything like us, it's like, what, what core things, what similar things that we found success do we think you could apply and then still be independent uh, and unique for whatever location you're, you're going to be in and, and use the best of what we found to work, but also the best of what you've been working. And if it works better in your office, let's take that idea and have it go throughout Aspire. It's like a strengths minders for business. Like what are your business strengths? Let's figure out how we can, or, you know, and then like, how can we elevate you through those strengths? Because certain, not everybody can, like we could fill what each other's gaps were and not like that doesn't, that recipe doesn't always exist. So what can we do to take what is great for you and just make it even better um, and help you and just help you grow. Yeah. So I think too, though, like pit, some pitfalls were like, it was, it's harder than it. <laughs> like, and sometimes finding cultural alignment, you it's like dating you date and you're like, okay, this seems great. And then you go, wait a minute. We, I mean, we had one practice we divested because it wasn't mm -hmm. early, early on. We failed fast. Like mm -hmm. they always say, if you're going to fail, like fail fast. Our, in our first year, we brought one in. 
we rented the practice, we did all these things, and then we learned it wasn't a good cultural fit and we divested it um, yeah. and just gave it back to them. Yeah. What's your criteria now, like for keeping somebody investing in them? Oh boy. Um, you know, I don't have like a. That's a really good question. You do. We don't have a spreadsheet, right? No. I mean, because to some degree, I've always, you've said, you know, it's not always the deal, it's the person in the deal, right? Yeah. And so, um, but we've learned to ask better questions to make sure the person in the deal is a right fit and is okay being uncomfortable, right? Because you come in to aspire and we have a lot of things that we can do to support you, but we also are going to challenge you and ask you to, to do a few little different things that you maybe didn't have to do if you, if you joined another type of company that, um, in that way, in yeah, knowing yourself, right. Yeah. And if you think like, I've always done it this way, it, I mean, that's that old move my cheese book. I mean, if you think I've always done it this way and it's worked and you know, I, it, it's worked for a lot of people, but yeah. is there a way it can work better? Yeah. Right. right? People don't want to be like, Oh, I want to work better. I want, yeah, they all say I want to work smarter or, but then when you actually try to do that, sometimes they're like, well, that, why would I want to do that? Yeah. yeah. Well, because you can actually do X, Y, or Z if you're willing to be uncomfortable for a little period of time. Yeah. It's like right. changing the golf swing. Some people just want to go out and hit it around. And that's neat. I don't want to change my golf swing. I just want to go out, hit the ball. I can't golf anymore because of my back, but I, you know, drink some rosé, have a good old time. My husband is always working on his golf swing. And, and when I watch him go through this, he changes it. And then he always goes to this J curve of his skill set. right? He, he struggles. He's, he's in the garage and that's thing, like hitting it, hitting it. I, I have to turn my elbow a different way. I'm like, I'm going back inside. Mm. Um, cause it's hard when you turn your elbow a little bit differently. It's hard when you change your form, but then you get stronger for it. It's, you know, I don't know. I, yeah. I think the other way I'd answer that Kirk, is that like, you know, I think I'm assuming a lot of the listeners here are private practice owners like single office or have an associate and you have to do everything, right? You are the CEO, you're the CMO, you're the CFO, you're all of those and it's exhausting. And then you have to do the dentistry, right? So our hope is like, can we take that off your plate so you can just focus on what you want to do? But when you've been doing all of it, you have a certain emotional tie to, well, I did it this way, you're doing it that way, why is this a change? Or if I had, if you hadn't changed this, it would be X or Y. And so it's navigating a lot of that emotional change to where um, people are like, oh, I love this, right? Right. Cause I just have to focus on that instead of I love this, but why did you change X or why did you change Y? Why did and, you paint my walls? Right. I, I love purple and, and now they're not purple. Like this was in a practice. So I think what they, one of the, psychological aspects of emotional change is that it can feel like you're being literally punched in the face. It can have a physical response to it that people just, it viscerally impacts them. Um, and, and man, navigating that is, is, it's really fun. And yeah, it's fun. Yeah. And, and you can know you're going to go through, I mean, anything is, you know, you, yeah. look, you, you have a team member that's been with you for 20 years and they leave, they retire, they move. You know, hard. it's hard and that's in one office, right? So we had a practice manager, you had met her. She was with us for 18 years. She's wonderful, right? But mm -hmm. at some point she's like, I'm ready for something different. Mm -hmm. And I walked around like my left arm had been chopped off for, you know, a period of time in that way. 
Yeah. Um, we want to be able to help navigate some of those dips to where that isn't as critical. And I'm sure you had people, I haven't heard all 666 of your podcasts, Kirk, but, um, you know, there's been a hard time finding quality team members. You know, we have the luxury of what Jen said earlier, like we can leverage group support to an office from another location and they all know the culture and they all know mm -hmm. the same operating system and they all know, you know, like we don't, they don't have to reacclimate every time they're going to come in. We've had hygienists go to different offices and they can use the same note template and, and, and deal with, so like that, some of that harmony and, and symmetry really makes, um, makes, it makes it easier to be a and family. More yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. So I'm going to pull in the GP who's listening, who's 32. I'm producing 1.2 million. I'm not having, what's the value prop of working with you versus selling to another DSO? You know, like what, what, like, how do you communicate with that, the unique opportunity you guys have? So why would you choose if you, if they're producing 1.2 million? Well, first of all, I think you could produce more than that. Um, so I'm not sure if you have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset, but if you have a growth mindset as this GP who is producing 1.2, we could probably help elevate that for them and, and create pathways for them to, to, to do more and be more. Um, right. There are a lot of other DSOs that are really hands off. And that is not us. Like we're not like, Hey, we, we own part of your practice and you own, you know, and, and then you own the rest of it. We are all partners at the top level. So if you're, you're now part of a, a little, a real group where every doctor who is an owner is own, owns all of the company. So it's in all of our best interests to help elevate each other and lift each other up. You're not on this Island. You're it's, I think it's a really, the culture is so different that way. Um, and if you, you know, want that direct line of mentorship. I don't know if some of those other organizations do that. I didn't experience that in my six months of, of, you know, the shitty place. Um, but like here, like when our young doctors are doing their first smile designs, I'm in there with them, like coaching them, like, this is what you do. Um, but if they need a resource that I can't, I never placed an implant in my life. And I, and they need mentorship there. I know who to call in the company who's going to go over and help mentor them through that process. I, I honestly think we're just so much more integrated and aligned with each other that you can, you, you really do feel like you're part of a team. Um, yeah. Yeah. On. And can I, I'll throw the, the term, you know, before we hit the go, it's, you said land grab. And I've heard that many times. Describe what a land grab is and how that's not your vision for the future. So I just want to say one thing, like yeah. in our playbook, like yeah. this is what Jen just said, be you align with us. Love it. Right? Like, like we, we want to. If you turn a heart on its side, it becomes an arrow. And so that's what those are. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, um, I think for me, land grab, you know, if somebody's primarily said, I just want to be paid top dollar for my practice. I don't yeah. care like um, that. And that's somebody that we may not want. We can yeah. pay top dollar, but you know, we want you to have bring more to the table than just say, pay me and I'm not going to do anything different or I'm not going to work anymore or this or that. 
The land grab is where these, these companies just grab whatever they want. They don't care the quality. They don't care to have consistency within them because they're searching for a certain number of practices, a certain financial number that, that gets on to the next cap event or, or whatever it is. We don't want that. We, we want, want to be more than a cap event. Yeah. We want to have those, we want to have those opportunities, but we want to have it in a much more um, choreographed and deliberate manner than, than a lot of other places do. And we actually think that also, you know, for your investment as a doctor that brings your practice into this group, um, you're already going to have a lot more value by being part of something that's aligned rather than a loosely affiliated, you know, group of practices. Yeah. Yeah. And then I have so many questions. Like, what about, do you have a leadership team? How do you communicate decisions from the top down? Can you walk us through that? Yeah. We have a CEO, CFO, um, COO. We have regional, you know, we have a CMO. We have um, regional practice so, manager. We have all of that in place. And every Wednesday, our leadership gets together from nine to noon to like our two hour meeting. We need a little more time than two hours. So we do a weekly Wednesday meeting instead and we need it three hours instead of two. But that's where we have the opportunity to bring up like, hey, I need support over here. Hey, this doctor is struggling and they haven't told you about it, Jen. Can you go and help them? Um, You know, we go through all of that process. And yeah. So, and I think Jen and I are on the leadership team, yeah. right? So, I think a lot of here, people everyone associate you want to know where Matt? DSOs with like you know a group of just you know number crunchers that don't have any ownership or authenticity to understand what the dentist is going through, um, and so we you know we live that every day mm-hmm. in that way, um, and it's our duty to try to make sure that if if one office seems out of whack for whatever reason, or, um, you know, our team members having a problem that we have can, can deliver the right support to each office, each location, each team member. Um, so we can create a better outcome for each office and, and minimize kind of all the, the bumpiness that occurs from them. Yeah. Um, you have to have layers of that, right? The CEO can't talk to every single person and that's why we have the regionals and that's why we have practice managers. Um, and the idea is all these doctors say, I don't want to have to do all the other stuff, right? So let's find them a practice manager that supports them in what they want to do. And they can work cohesively and collaboratively together. And then that hopefully takes a lot of the stress and the burden off of, um, you know, managing the day-to-day work. Yeah. And I, I love the uniqueness part. Now, even on the detail, they're not all fee for service or are they? Are all your practices fee for service? No. No, they're not. We like, originally started with that vision though. And, you know, as you, as you start to move in a certain direction, it, it's not always like, I think you, you, when you want to build something, you, you start building and you go, right. But then along the way you go, okay, like maybe this can fit better here or, um, and we have found that there are some people who have been a great cultural fit and, um, but they might've been a PPO practice. And so that really didn't 
that wasn't what was going to define us because we're so focused on the culture being our definition. If we found somebody who had great culture and like kicked ass as far as like how much they produced, plus had great EBITDA, like all of the things that we had still have, but like if we found that exact recipe, it's hard to find that exact same recipe everywhere. So you have to pick what is the most important part of that recipe. Is it the chocolate chips or is it the M&Ms? Like who, you know, those are very different cookies. Um, so we're on the chocolate chip train and you know, we want to make sure that you like chocolate chips too. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, you know, my answer to that would be this, like uh, some of these offices, they didn't have some of the opportunities that we can create for them. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know how to actually do, do a cosmetic veneer case. And Jen can go and watch them over the shoulder and say, prep this or change this. Or, and it's, it's like such a great dynamic for that. So uh, I think everybody says, oh, it's got to be the fee-for-service practice. Or this. And I know you talk a lot about getting off of insurances. And we are supportive of doing that, mm-hmm. right? Even these, even these insurance-based practices, we work to get them off the lowest plans, just like you've suggested, but you have to do it in a very methodical, systematic way. But we've given them hope and opportunity for something that they didn't have a chance to maybe look at and do. And I think one of the more rewarding things I see is when we have these younger doctors or these PPO practices, and they start doing smile designs because they see it's possible and the right verbiage and how you talk about it. You know, because those don't have to all be. And they're doing them the right yeah. way. Yeah. Like, because, you know, you I've seen out there in the market where somebody doesn't even take a single photo and they've done, they've prepped all the teeth and I'm auditing and I'm like, wait a minute, what is this? Like, no, no, no. This is how we're going to teach you how to do this from start to finish correctly. Take the right photos, take the right records prep properly. Like, let's make this be an amazing outcome for your patients and, you know, whatever that looks like. Yeah. What I'm sure you've talked to so many people and they're like, we're going to do the same thing or something similar. And what do they get? What do they get wrong? Like you guys talk to a lot of people. What do others get wrong about this concept or this model? Well, I think that, that it seems easier than it is. Like you think it's going to be a lot easier than it is. And it's, it's, um, a lot of dentists might start the process on their own and thinking like, I got this, I can do this. Um, as doctors, we, we get a lot of positive reinforcement all day, every day. Every time we put that crown on the margins, good. We're like, yes, I'm a doctor. Um, but so when you go into this, like this other side of things, you think that's going to be really easy too. And, and most dentists max out with what they're able to do. I mean, I think of what we put into our practice when we just had the 12 treatment rooms, but in one location. And it was like, we had two jobs. I would go home at night and I would like pass out for a few minutes and then I'd wake up and I'd eat. And then I'd get working on some kind of marketing project, whatever that was. Um, I, I think that you think you can do it all. And there's a limit to that of how much just, if you want to have a work-life balance, um, counterbalance or whatever we want to call it. I mean, I think that it's the same thing with what Jen said. Like, as one doctor, you can only control so much at one, at multiple locations, right? You can control everything in one or two offices, maybe three. Once you get beyond that, you have to hope you have a good foundational culture 
so that when you're not there, everybody's following kind of the same, the same path, you know, forward. And um, it, it's hard to maintain that consistency in that way. We can create more accountability to do that, um, hopefully in a way that people find appealing, right? And not like, oh, because we're not here to tell you what to do, right? right. We're hoping to guide you in maybe doing it better. We, right? we started backwards a little bit. Like when we decided we we're going to do this, we brought in an executive team right away. So when we were just ourselves, we asked one of my really good girlfriends who's the CEO of a hospital if she'd come be our CEO and she laughed at us. She thought we were really yeah, we thought we were like, like you're gonna like, do this. You can be our CEO. And so she was sweet. like, you're no. sweet, you're only 25 employees, you don't need a CEO. <laughs> um but <laughs> cheers to Rebecca, yep. she's great. Yep. Yep. She's yep. on my book club. Um but we started with, you know, we always talk about our, our, our dentistry where we start with the end in mind. So we started with the end in mind where we're like, let's bring in people that can do what we need to do as we're growing. Because if we're going to build a foundation on training and communication skills, we need a training person now. We need HR now. We need finance now. We need all of those things in place so that we're not catching up on this. And maybe that was a good thing. Maybe that was a bad thing. I like, I think it was good, but some people might criticize that and go, Hey, you like way overspent to start, but we did. Right. Um, But what I hear is, I mean, so, so right. I mean, most people in hindsight probably wouldn't overspend on that at the beginning because they would see that as an investment they could, I don't know what else they would put it into, but we think that now that's actually, you know, we're reaping the benefits of that now because we were so um, solid in what we wanted that to look like. And that's also made it easier to determine when somebody isn't the right fit, right? When you define your, your culture and your way early on, um, it's much easier to say, I don't think this is working. Gens have failed fast, but like, even as we've gone through this, we can find where people are becoming uncomfortable with some of the accountability. I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that like they're, you know, it's not the perfect scenario for every single person. And right. that's okay too. Yeah. We don't want to be everybody's everybody. No, we don't. everybody's yeah. everything. Yeah. I love it. I love it. A lot of people have the conception, well, I'll just buy another practice and another practice and I'll work a whole lot less and I can live yeah. in Mexico, you know, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts when you hear all that? I'll buy another practice and I'll work less and then I'll buy another one and I'll work less. And if if you buy another practice and you're working less, you're probably um, ruining that practice. <laughs> and, and I mean, you're, you're not, what do you, what are you driving there? Like, what is, what is your actual outcome? I don't think it would work. I, I think I think dentistry is really hard, right? And anybody who can come on a podcast or or do and say, I do this and everything I do turns to gold and all my team is happy and like it's Shangri-La, like bullshit, right? Yeah. Everybody on here knows it's not that. And I think we want to like, but we want to say to the world, I'm I'm good. Everything's great. And we want to have this. I will tell you, like, it's not that way. And I don't mean that because it's not inspired, but like the reality is life is hard. You have to deal with people and people are really hard to deal with, especially 
post-pandemic, post, you know, service environment, all these things. We have such a group of people to lean on when those challenges come up. I don't know how I would have made it through it without it. And even now in this environment, like, like hygiene wages are really high. How do you do that? You know, what we're finding is we have people leave, right? Oh, I'm going to get $5 more here or whatever. They come back. He's coming back. They, they come back because the value of everything we're doing is much more than a few extra dollars on a paycheck. And in fact, they come to find out that they probably make more here than, than other places with all the other things we offer and how we kind of can support their growth. So I just think it's okay to say things are hard and nobody's ever willing to admit that. Right. Yeah. And I think it's good if things are hard. Honestly, it's if it's not a little hard, then what muscle memory are you changing right. and getting stronger? Yeah. I have so many questions and I know you guys, I'm way over my time and I could keep you for another hour, but I do have one last question before we wrap it up. Like, I just love what you guys have done. You guys are great thinkers. What's on the road ahead? I'm just curious. What are you thinking about? We're going to do a follow-up episode a year from now and another one, two years from now. What do you hope we're talking about for Aspire and for the two of you? I hope that we are, I, we don't want to be the biggest but I hope that we will have created enough awareness in the community of what we're doing, that we are like real people behind this, trying to do, do something, do the right thing and do something well, that it's, that we're, we're more than just a group. Um, and I hope that by then we'll start to have this um, reputation in the community. Love it. Brett, what's your answer? I, I mean, I, I want us to be like an agent of change for good in dentistry, right? There are so many things that, that the, the DSO corporate world, people still interpret that as this big negative. And I want to be a place where people want to come work for us because they know they're going to have an exceptional experience, um, be exceptionally supported. And, and be able to do great things because we're going to want to push them to do great things, right? I don't want somebody who just wants to kind of sit and coast. And um, I hope that people look at Aspire as a place where you can come and do great things from top to bottom. Yeah. Well, I know for a fact, you guys are amazing people. And I have no doubt the journey is just going to become more and more exciting. So just getting started. Just getting started. Maybe that's the title of the podcast. I don't know. I like that. Oh so, yeah. I, I mean, I think what you're, you know, ultimately one of the biggest, um, I mean, everything you guys have done in you, the, my favorite thing is you guys are very, very, very real people. And it's been fun to learn from you in this journey. But uh, I shouldn't say, but I should say, and what's really cool is, what you believe in, I know for a fact is the secret sauce. And I joke, I, I joke all the time. I wish I would have taken a seminar in my twenties from the top business leaders in the world. That was five days long. And I'm quite certain that the first day would have been about culture and core values. And I would have been bored to death. And I would have been like, okay, when are we going to get to the money and all the other things? And they would have looked at me like, kid, you missed the whole most important piece. 
you know? And so, um, the good thing is there's always time to learn. Uh, and, uh, as you guys continue to grow this and do cool things, um, I just, I just can't wait to see more. So thank you guys for being on. Um, I'm going to have you back and we're going to talk about other things too. Like how do you grow and develop team members? I think Jen, your vision that you shared with me about how you develop people, how you do your CE is so unique. And I want to share that with the world. If you're willing to share it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Is it yeah. unique? Well, we won't ruin it for the listeners, but I will, uh, <laughs> No, I, you you gave me the whole vision at the sushi restaurant. I'm yeah. like, that is absolutely brilliant yeah. how yeah. you do yeah. development, you know? Well, I think she asked if it's unique because that's normal to us, right? Yeah, so like, we wouldn't right. be unique, but what I hear you say is that like the way Jen drives that and we drive that, it really is unique. Right. Well, in a world where there's so much rhetoric about like sell your practice and we can't find great people and nobody wants to go to the dentist anymore. You guys are telling the opposite, which I love. So thank you guys for being on. I know you guys got to go back to your lives that you have that we just enjoy, but I want to thank you guys for being on. So I really, really appreciate this. Thank, thank you. you Kurt. Kurt. It's always good always. to see you. Anytime. Always good. All right. Well, stick around while I say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you guys for listening to the Best Practices Show. I hope you guys enjoyed that. If you did, do us a favor, hit the share button. I'm going to put a link to Brett and Jen and all their information. So if you want to find out more, I'm going to highly encourage you to reach out to them. You're going to find out they're super, 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 super cool people. And uh, it'll be a very, very valuable relationship for you. So you can flip up to the notes and Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, whatever it is, whatever you're listening to the podcast on, just flip up to the notes. You're going to see links to it. You can click on it. It's going to take you right there. We make this so easy for you. Like it can't be any easier than that. So um, until we see you guys next time, or you hear from us next time, keep watching or keep listening to the best practices show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.